Uh, as the planning team, as we were, were praying this year and, and really wrestling, we, we do every year, we really wrestle hard to find a speaker because we want to be encouraged. We want someone who gets the, the ethos of this group, but someone who, who loves ministry and specifically loves those who work in youth ministry. And as we began to wrestle and, and talk about this, I thought, you know, we need to bring uh, my, my, my colleague, my, my, my pastor, my friend, Brad Mercer, to speak here. And, and nobody else in the planning team knew me. They just trusted me. So uh, it better be really good or otherwise I'm fine. No, <laughs> uh, I've, I've known Brad for, uh, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years now. Uh, but we've only worked together for two years but it was about four years ago he, he called me and said, Wilson, I need, I need a youth pastor. And, and here's what I'm looking for. And he began to describe it. And I was like, well, I mean, I could come work for you, you know. <laughs> I'm available. No. And I remember thinking, man, I would really like to work with that guy. I just, I love him. I love his heart for ministry. And then, and then our senior pastor, Joseph Wheat, takes me to lunch one day and goes, okay, guess who I'm going to get to come here? And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you getting Brad to come to Highlands? And it was just, it's been such a blessing. He is a great encouragement to me. He has a huge heart for ministry. Uh, he's been in camping ministry many years. He's been in church many, ministry many years. But I think the way he's going to come and uh, bless us tonight is he is a great encouragement. Uh, he has taught me a lot. He specifically taught me a lot, encouraged me a lot from the Psalms. And so he will be, he will be encouraging us and preaching to us from the Psalms uh, this week. Uh, he's also going to lead uh, one of our forums, uh, almost a seminar type for his specifically on Wednesday, on how C.S. Lewis can help you in your ministry. He has an M.Phil in C.S. Lewis from, from Cambridge, Edinburgh, Cambridge, University of Wales, one of those across the pond. And, uh, and it, again, he's been a great encouragement to me in that area, and I, I think that'll be a, a treat for you, so you don't want to miss that. So, Brad Mercer, please come and, and encourage us. Thank you for being here. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you again for this, this time at Barnabas Connection to encourage one another, to be encouraged. And, Lord, as, as Brad brings your word, Father, would you give him unction? Would you give him your spirit? Would you encourage our hearts? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Wilson. Um, let, let me take just a, just a minute. I know it's been a long day, and uh, you've come a long way, and all of a sudden there's this strange guy st uh, standing up here. You're not sure who he is or where he came from. Let me tell you about a little bit about, just a, a little bit about myself. I'm here in the ministry, which means I'm here talking to you because of people like you. Um, long story short, um, I'm a kid from a divorced home who cared little or nothing about Christianity as a 17 and 18 year old because I thought my parents who were churchgoers, in fact, my father who was a professor of Bible and theology were hypocrites. And there was a group of guys that came after me, youth workers, when I was in high school. I was not 
you, I don't know, uh, you've pro- you probably, everybody that you work with is probably wonderful and they do what you say and they're likable and all that. <laughs> I was not likable. I hope I'm likable now. I was not pleasant. I was not likable. I was angry. And they wouldn't take no for an answer. And they came after me. And you know, they didn't... Um, and we're going we're gonna to look at some psalms this week, and, and we'll interact in forums, and we'll interact at other times too. And I, I really, uh, I'll, let me say this first. Uh, these guys came after me. I never wanted to be in the ministry. I didn't want to be a Christian. And I watched these guys model Christ before me. And they didn't necessarily preach at me. They just walked with me and built a relationship with me and looked looked for points of connection. And it changed my life. And this was in the context of a a camp. And I ended up going into camping ministry. And I um, uh, later went to to University of Texas. And I went to RTS. And I I did some other studying. I was a little bit like my dad in, in, in that sense. Um, my dad taught it at Wheaton College, but the main thing I want to get across to you, look, can I be on, you'll find that I'll be honest with you. Somebody in here tonight is really discouraged. Somebody in here tonight is saying, I'm not sure I want to be in the ministry. I've got this kid, I've got this parent, I've got, you know, maybe... You've got this marriage. Maybe you know those of you who are married. I, um, there, there may be something going on there. Maybe if you're not married, you've been brokenhearted and you're discouraged. You want to be married. I don't know. I don't know you. But I, but I, my point is, I do hope to get to know you better this, this week in these, in these few days. And please don't hesitate. I have, um, after this experience with these guys and my uh, c- conversion to Christ, I did, did go to seminary grudgingly. I am now an ordained minister, and I, and I love the church, and I ran from it. I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a minister. I didn't want to be like my dad but I have grown to love the church. But, you know, I can, and I can say this, this here, I, I love people who respond to the call. It's not an easy world in which to minister to anybody, much less junior high and high school and, and their parents and their families. So I... I'm a product in a very real sense of what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep doing it. Now turn in your Bibles to Psalm 1. In the time uh, that we have tonight, again, I'm not going to go on and on and on, um, but I want to sort of lay a groundwork for what we'll do when we meet. And, uh, and when, we, when we get together in our uh, times together, um, a few years ago, my daughter 
I woke up in the middle of the night. This was when she was in probably quite a few years ago. Uh, by, by the way, I, I've been married now to a wonderful wife. We've been in, in uh, the, the ministry. We got married young, and we've been in the ministry virtually our entire adult lives in, in camping as an assistant pastor, as an associate pastor, as a senior pastor in a number of different ministries. We have two children, uh, both married. Um, one lives where we live in, in Madison, Mississippi, and has three uh, sons. I have three grandsons, um, a four-year-old, a one-year-old, and a seven-month-old. And I have a son who, uh, how do I say, Wilson? <laughs> yeah, um, I have a son who's a paratrooper. Uh, we didn't plan that. He's in the Army. He lives in Hawaii, and he jumps out of planes uh, holding weapons and he's, when he hits the ground, he's surrounded by bad people. He obviously takes after his mother. Uh, uh, um, tough, just tough. But he lives in Hawaii. He serves in the Army as a Purple Heart. Um, he, um, remember one day when I was preaching at, at, uh, in, my, in one of my churches, and, and uh, after the service, my wife came up to me, and she was flushed. Her face, she said, um, Harrison's been wounded. Um, and we didn't know anything else. We had received a very brief message from the army. He was in Afghanistan, and um, he was—he had been somebody from the army had been trying to reach us, and it happened during a worship service. So they couldn't reach us. We had our, you know, our cell phones turned off, and we found out that he was on a patrol, and um, he was in an armored vehicle, and and several RPGs hit the front of this vehicle, and shrapnel went everywhere, and hit him in the arm, and hit him in the head, and knocked him out, and they called in air support, and killed the bad guys, and got in. It was wild, but uh, several of the guys were wounded. They they ended up being okay, and I, I tell you all that because <laughs> whenever I start to feel sorry for myself in ministry, I think of some of the things that my son has done, and he's only 24. And it's, 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 it's pretty amazing, but one of the most moving experiences I've ever had in my life was when he got his, his airborne wings, and then when he came home from Afghanistan, I don't know why he did this, but he gave me his Purple Heart. And I don't feel, they give him two. Uh, so, uh, but they, he gave me the one that they pinned on him. And I said, Harrison, you don't. And he said, Dad, I want you to have that. So they're, um, my kids are believers. They're married to believers. But let me say this right at the outset. I have made every possible mistake in ministry and in marriage. Maybe, well, not every possible mistake, but a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I am not an example. I'm a sinner. And if it ever looks like I'm setting myself up as an example, I made a mistake in the times that I'm here. I'm just a sinner like you, hoping to walk with you arm in arm to help other sinners see Christ. Because he's one of a kind. He is one of a kind and our only hope. Anyway, back to Hannah when she was... um, in uh, a fairly young, in the middle of the night, she woke up, she couldn't breathe. 
And Cindy came in and said, Hannah can't breathe. I, you know, like a good dad, I said, well, go, you know, help her. Uh, and and we, she had, she, she had asthma. You know, some of you have, if you, you've dealt with kids or you have kids or you have it yourself, she had, still has asthma, still has to carry an inhaler with her wherever she goes. And uh, Cindy uh, took her into the shower and ran the hot water and all that you do to try to get, and she still couldn't breathe. So um, we got her up, Cindy got up, Hannah got up, our son at the time was this big, and I went in, and he was, this was in the middle of the night, and I scooped him up, up sheets and all, and we, we, we went out to the, to the truck at the time, and we all got in the, the truck, and we flew to the hospital in the middle of the night, and, and Cindy's in the back with Hannah, crying and praying, because Hannah's gasping for breath. My son, who's this big at the time, was in the front seat, you know, like this. His eyes are used. And we're, it usually takes about 20 minutes to get to the hospital. It took seven and a half, something like that. And we, we were flying. We got to the hospital, got the breathing treatment. And Harrison's sitting next to me in the waiting room. And for the first time, he's going to say something. I can tell you, he gets this look on his face. He's about to say something. <laughs> and uh, he says, Dad, are we going to get to drive that fast on the way home too? <laughs> I don't say that just because it's a funny story. I say that because everybody in this room is at a different point in his or her journey. Everybody in this room is experienced. Some of you are feeling really good about ministry. Some of you aren't. Some of you are feeling really good about life. Some of you aren't. Some of you are ready to drive fast on the way home. Some of you can't breathe. But we all need encouragement. Uh, we all need to f feed uh, on the word wherever we are. And I just have found, I have found through years and years of ministry, yes we, yes, we love the Bible. We love all of the Bible. But I have found time after time after time this prayer book that's right in the middle of the Bible to be absolutely essential in my life and in the life of others. 150 prayers right in the middle of the Bible meant to be prayed and sung in the context of worship right there for us. And they address... I'll go so far as to say they address every possible challenge that we could possibly face in life. It's right there in the middle of the Bible. And it's, it's, and it's poetry <laughs> meant to be prayed and meant to be, and there's nothing to sneeze at, uh, and meant, 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 to be, meant to be sung. Right, I just lost the whole mood. And I, um, but, but there it is, time after, where do we, you know, when we go to special events and occasions and funerals, you know, we, we, we go to the Psalms um, time after time. And in this crazy, uh, mixed up, often um, discouraging word uh, world, uh, the Psalms are, are there for us uh, time after time after time. Listen to, listen to a couple of quotes from people that you'll, you'll recognize about the psalm, C.H. Spurgeon, in these busy days, it would be 
to the great spiritual prophet of Christian men and women to be more familiar with the book of Psalms. In it, they will find a complete armory for life's battles and a perfect supply for life's needs. And then he says this, for every condition, there is a psalm. For every condition, there is a psalm. Martin Luther, if you want to see the whole Christian church painted in glowing colors and in a form which is really alive, get hold of a psalter. C.S. Lewis, the most valuable things that the thing that the Psalms do for me is they express the same delight in God that made David dance. <laughs> the most valuable thing that the Psalms do for me is they express the same delight in God which made David dance. You know, if you, if you think about this, think about this one thing. I know it's late in the day. Isn't it not astounding that a sovereign, loving, all-powerful, creator, merciful God has given us words through which we can question his existence? <laughs> through which we can be angry at him? It happens all the time in the song. Where are you? Don't you care? Why have you deserted me? Hear my prayer. And we'll talk about this more. You'll notice that often in the context of these prayers, you'll often find the psalmist talking to themselves. They're reminding themselves of things as they're praying to God. And there's so much going on. Um, Athanasius, this is one of my favorites. Most of the scriptures speak to us. The Psalms speak for us. Most of the scriptures speak to us. The Psalms speak for us. Eugene Peterson, the Psalms, now hear this, the Psalms are an extended refutation that prayer is being nice before God. Let me say it again. The, the Psalms are an extended refutation that prayer is being nice before God. In other words, he goes on to say, pray to God from where you are, not from where you think you should be. Pray to God from where you are, not from where you think you should be. You know, so often we think, I can't pray that. I can't. Well, it's in your heart. And the Psalms are encouraging us to be honest, but there's a pattern that runs through the Psalms. You see it all the time. There's some kind of orientation, some kind of circumstance. Then there's some kind of disorientation. Something hard happens, and then there's a reorientation at the end, and you see that all the time in the Psalms. And that reorientation is somebody down on his knees. May, may have started with somebody shaking a fist, but that somebody usually will end up on his knees. I love you. I trust you. I will wait for you. I will look to you in all circumstances. 
So the, the, the Psalms show us how to work through hard things, how to celebrate, how to sing, how to worship, how to grieve, how to question God, how to shake our fists, and how to end up on our knees through all of it. Now, I tell you all this because, I, I, you know, I'll only be here if you, and you probably hopefully do this already. I'd love for you to fall in love with the song for ministry, for your personal life, for your teaching. Um, and I'm, I'm going to, to talk briefly about Psalm 1 tonight, and then we'll address four other psalms throughout uh, the week. Have you ever been in a situation where you've had to decide you're coming into a new ministry? It's your, your first teaching lesson uh, whether you're a guy or a girl, it's your first sermon. What do you do? You come to a new ministry, a new church, and what's your, what's your first lesson going to be? What's your first uh, teaching lesson or your first sermon? Well, I've had this opportunity, and whenever I've had the opportunity to choose, it's always Psalm 1. It's always Psalm 1. Why? Why? Uh, in, in a very real sense, the, um, the very first word answers it. The very first word in English and the very first word in Hebrew is what? What's the very first word of the very first line of the very first psalm in the Psalter? Blessed. Blessed. That should make us, whoa. Very first word. Very first line, very first psalm of the prayer book of the Bible begins with the word blessed or blessed, depending on where you're from. Blessed, blessed. What is that? What is that? Do you want that? You know, I, I, uh, I'm kind of from all over. I lived in Chicago, and my parents are from Massachusetts, and I've lived most of my life in, in Texas. But, but you know the way we use that word? You know, oh, bless his heart. You know something bad is coming. <laughs> uh, you know, and there's good to have a blessed day. Amen. Bless his heart. Bless her heart. But blessed, truly content, fulfilled uh, from the very bottom of our heart, from the, from the very core of who we are, what makes us, us. You know, living in Mississippi, we have um, the, the Vicksburg Battlefield Park, and right at the beginning of the Vicksburg Battlefield Park, if anybody's ever been there, it's really amazing. There are over 1,800 monuments, and, but there's this great, huge archway through which you enter into this park, and when you enter through it, it's like going back in time going back in history, going back to the, like the, the Civil War. That's this psalm. 
for the Psalter. Now entering the Psalms. It's the gateway to the Psalms. It's the gateway to uh, blessedness. That first word being blessed. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. But the way of the wicked will perish. We've got options, don't we? And the first option is to go the way of the wicked. How are the wicked described here? Just the opposite of how we're described as experience the weight of glory that Paul talks about. The wicked are like chaff. They're like dust. They're like sawdust that the wind drives away. Uh, Fleeting, empty, uh, weightless. Um, Wilson and I were having a little fun in the car on the way here. We were... um, tweeting and Twittering and Facebooking and, and uh, social mediaing and I thought, you know, I wonder who has the, the most followers on Twitter. And the highest one that we could find, and it just, it, we live in a chaff world, light, superficial. Any ideas who might have the, the, the most followers on Twitter? Yeah, okay. Well, he, how many does he have? I'm very impressed that you know that. Uh, uh, do you know how many? <laughs> okay, see, you're, somebody's going to top me, uh, and you you have, but you're all going to go when I, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Seventeen million followers on Twitter. What's going on? Okay. 17, and we, we could go on and on. Okay, and then somebody that we would think highly of, you know, like you, you probably follow uh, uh, Daily Keller or something like that. How, how many followers do you think that has? Right around 100,000. We live in a chaff world. Light, fleeting, pursuing things that don't have meaning, that don't have weight, that don't have substance. This is an ancient word um, with a profound meaning, meaning today. It reminded me, I told Wilson this afternoon, it reminded me of my, my stepdad used to say when he would see something like this. He'd say, he'd say we're doomed. <laughs> um, how, did, how did we... Um, how did we get here? Um, how did we get here <laughs> from there? Um, that's an option, to, to go the, the way of the wicked, this chaff world, this light world uh, that, that 
surrounds us, that's, that's everywhere. Um, or we can go the way of the righteous. And what does that mean? It means to actively avoid the, the advice, the lifestyle, the, the community. It doesn't mean that we don't evangelize. It means we... we uh, actually and actively uh, avoid the, the advice, the lifestyle, the community of, of wicked people who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Where do you go for counsel? Obviously, one of the reasons you're here is you're here for that. You know, people this week will give you good counsel. I have two men in my life that have been invaluable to me for about 12 years now. They're two men that love me enough to be honest. And whenever I make a big decision, I call them and they're honest. They say, Brad, that's screwy. Don't do that. Or that's not a bad idea. Let's pray about it. Have you ever noticed that, that sometimes some of your best friends who are well-meaning will give you some not-so-helpful if they, all they do is encourage you. And these two guys are brutally honest with me. But I know they love me. You can't have that with many people. Um, walks in the council. What does this look like? It, it, it's a pattern. A pattern of taking counsel from the wrong people. And are you going to the right people for advice, nor stands in the way of sinners. Walking looks like a pattern. Standing is being present there. Participating. You know, you work so hard at your teaching. We worked so hard at our ministry and and on our teaching. And, you know, I'm thinking of my, my kids again. You know, how do you inculcate in yourself and those around you Um, being in the presence of people with the same priorities and and recognizing your need for that. You're you're, you're made to be part of that. I remember with our son, our our daughter, you just kind of looked at her and and with a a serious face and she would fall apart in, in tears. Our son just, I mean, was just, we had to just be constantly on him. And I remember the first time he gave my wife a Mother's Day card. And the first time he was able to write in a Mother's Day card. And I bought the card and I handed it to him and he wrote it and he sealed it up. And I remember the day we handed it to Cindy on Mother's Day and she opened it up and it said, Mom, I'll always love you no matter what you do. love Harrison. Now, I've thought about that a lot through the years, and boy, oh boy, from the mouths of bed, that's God. I'll always love you. There'll be consequences uh, for, for what you do, but advice, lifestyle, or and now we've moved to sitting, sitting in the seat of scoffers. We've moved from walking, standing to sitting. What is this? It's, it's I think it's a vivid picture now of of community, the people with whom you, you live. Um, we've, we've said this. Are you sitting down? This is important. 
on the phone. Are you sitting down? This is important. We tell people to sit down when we're going to tell them the most important things in life. Who you're building your life with, and boy, oh boy, this sits in the seat of, of scoffers. Sarcastic, cynical. Let, let's face it, sometimes we fall into sin, sometimes we plan it in advance. We'd all have to, let's admit it, we, sometimes every one of us plans sin in advance. We think through it and we do it. Sometimes sin has a blueprint, even in the life of a Christian. We need community to, to defend ourselves against that. We need the congregation of the righteous, he says. And then he goes on, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. What is that? And on it, he meditates day and night. You know, maybe you've heard it said that, that meditation is the link between Bible reading and prayer. I think meditation is the link between Bible reading and Bible living. And we're going to see that later, uh, later in the week. Between Bible reading and Bible living. Let me illustrate it this way. When Cindy and I worked at camp, people don't believe this, but for years... Uh, I don't know if any of you all have had this experience. We worked with, we were in Texas. We were working with horses. We oversaw 60 horses and we, and we trained horses and we ride, rode horses. And, and um, it, when we were in camp and we were in a camping ministry for a number of years and almost every morning something would happen when we were at the barn. It was early in the morning. We'd be up at the barn and we'd look down the road and two dogs would come running up the road. It was uncanny. They were the neighbor's dogs, and the sun would start to come up, and Lady and Red Bones, that one was tall and thin, one was short and fat, and they would come running up the path to the barn, and they would stop and say hello to us, and we, but they were looking for something. And you have all kinds of stuff around barns. It was a big facility. What were they looking for? They were looking for bones. You know, there's animal stuff around. And, they find, and, and what, what does a dog do when a, when a dog finds a, a bone? What does a dog do? A dog will find a bone and, and take it and, and run off kind of at a, at a short distance So uh, quite often. Grab the bone, run off at a short distance, keep it. Protect it, gnaw on it, growl over it, slobber over it, take it and hide it, know where it is, protect it, go back to it time and time again. Isaiah 31.4 says something fascinating. As, as the lion or the young lion growls over his prey, that Word, wherever you see it in the Old Testament, that word growl, sometimes it says moan, sometimes it says chew, is the exact same word in Psalm 1 as meditate. 
chew, swallow, digest, grow. That's the, the picture. It's not just kind of emptying your mind. It's, it's chewing, swallowing. Uh, one of the things that you'll see over and over in the Psalms is this very thing in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. What's he doing? He's praying to God and talking to himself. It's almost like he's grabbing his heart and, says, and saying, know these things, remember these things, understand these things. But the even more vivid picture in this psalm of, of meditation, the psalmist is essentially saying, look at that tree. Love the psalms. Look at that tree. That's meditation. Firmly planted by streams of water, sucking up the water of life and bearing fruit. Look at that tree. Uh, uh, C.H. Spurgeon once said, uh, the Lord's trees are all evergreens. Look at that tree. Day and night, as a part of a, a rhythm and, and pattern of your life. And look, let's, and I'll end with this. Um, pursuing the advice and the counsel and the time and the community of other Christians. And, and here it is. There's a picture of it right here, what we need. Meditating on God's word, like chewing on it, sucking it up like a tree. But it all seems so overwhelming. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, walking, standing, sitting like I should. I'm not meditating like I should. I don't have all the best community like I should. I'm discouraged. I don't have a sense that I'm bearing fruit like I should. Do you remember what Jesus said to the woman that he met at the well? In John 4, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink, a woman from Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He's saying, sink your roots down into me and you will bear fruit. I'm the water. <laughs> I'm the living water. You remember Jesus from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where's that from in the Bible? It's, it's from a psalm. Jesus had them memorized. He memorized them as a boy, and obviously he knew them. He was God. He wrote them. But Jesus, as a human boy, was taught the Psalms and memorized them. 
And uh, later in that very psalm, (laughs) later in that very psalm, he says, the psalmist says, I am poured out like water, all my bones are out of joint, my heart is like wax, it is melted within me. Jesus, we'll close with this, Jesus became chaff so that you could be a tree. Jesus became dried up so you could bear fruit. Jesus hung on a tree so that you could be a tree sucking up living water, the very living water that is him. And ultimately, you know, every single psalm, in some sense, every single psalm ultimately points to Jesus and ultimately is fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, Put your roots down into him. Now, let me also say we're going to talk this week about facing hard things. We're going to talk about confession. We're going to talk about joy, a number of different themes um, from uh, the rest of the Psalms. Great place to start, though. Let's pray. Lord, we so want to be blessed. Lord, we so want to meditate, to to sink our roots down into your word and there find Jesus. We know that a huge part of what that looks like is this group. Um, So often we cry out, where are you? (laughs) Lord, where are you? And you are in your people sitting right next to us. You are in that brother and sister that wants to help, wants to encourage, wants to share joy, wants to share uh, grief, wants to share life and walk through life. Lord, we pray that we would seek one another's advice and counsel and example and presence and community. There are very few things more encouraging than being in the presence, the physical presence of other Christians. It's a great gift. And Lord, we pray that you would bless us. We would be people who ultimately drink up, absolutely drink up the living water that is Jesus. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. I will give you rest. We pray these things in his name. Amen.